Chapter Twelve of the House of the Wolfings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The House of the Wolfings by William Morris. Chapter Twelve: Tidings of the Battle in Mirkwood. As the hall sun made an end, they heard in good sooth the feet of the runner on the hard ground without the hall, and presently the door opened and he came leaping over the threshold, and up to the table and stood leaning on it with one hand, his breast heaving with his last swift run. Then he spake presently, I am Gisli, of the shieldings. Otter sendeth me to the hall, son, but on the way I was to tell tidings to the houses west of the water, so have I done. Now is my journey ended, for Otter saith, Let the hall-son note the tidings and send word of them, by four of the lightest limbed of the women, or by lads a horseback, both west and east of the water. Let her send the word as it seemeth to her, whether she hath seen it or not. I will drink a short draught, since my running is over. Then a damsel brought him a horn of meat, and let it come into his hand, and he drank, sighing with pleasure, while the damsel, for pleasure of him and his tidings, laid her hand on his shoulder. Then he set down the horn and spake, We, the shieldings, with the gayrings, the rostings, and the wolfings, three hundred warriors and more, were led into the wood by Theodolf the war-duke, beside whom went Fox, who hath seen the Romans. We were all afoot, for there is no wide way through the wood, nor would we have it otherwise, lest the foe find the thicket easy. But many of us know the thicket and its ways, so we made not the easy heart. I was near the war-duke, for I know the thicket, and am lightfoot, I am a bowman. I saw Theodolf that he was unhelmed and bore no shield, nor had he any coat of fence, naught but a deerskin frock. As he said that word, the carline, who had drawn very near to him and was looking hard at his face, turned and looked on the hall sun and stared at her till she reddened under those keen eyes, for in her heart began to gather some knowledge of the tale of her mother and what her will was. But Gisli went on. Yet by his side was his mighty sword, and we all knew it for throng plough, and were glad of it and of him, and the unfenced breast of the dauntless. Six hours we went spreading wide through the thicket, not always seeing one another, but knowing one another to be nigh. Those that knew the thicket best led, the others followed on. So we went, till it was high noon on the plain, and glimmering dusk in the thicket, and we saw naught, save here and there a row, and here and there a sound of swine, and conies, where it was opener, and the sun shone and the grass grew for a little space. So came we unto where the thicket ended suddenly, and there was a long glade of the wild wood, all set about with great oak trees and grass thereunder, which I knew well, and thereof the tale tells that it was a holy place of the folk who abided in these parts before the sons of the Goths. Now I will drink. So he drank of the horn and said, 
it seemeth that fox had a deeming of the way the romans should come so now we abided in the thicket without that glade and lay quiet and hidden spreading ourselves as much about that lawn of the oak trees as we might the while fox and three others crept through the wood to espy what might be toward not long had they been gone ere we heard a war-horn blow and it was none of our horns it was a long way off but we looked to our weapons for men are eager for the foe and the death that cometh when they lie hidden in the thicket a while passed and again we heard the horn and it was nigher and had a marvellous voice then in a while was a little noise of men not their voices but footsteps going warily through the break to the south and twelve men came slowly and warily into that oak lawn and lo one of them was fox but he was clad in the raiment of the dastard of the goths whom he had slain i tell you my heart beat for i saw that the others were roman men and one of them seemed to be a man of authority and he held fox by the shoulder and pointed to the thicket where we lay and something he said to him as we saw by his gesture and face but his voice we heard not for he spake soft then of those ten men of his he sent back two and fox going between them as though he should be slain if he misled them and he and the eight abided there wisely and warily standing silently some six feet from each other moving scarce at all but looking like images fashioned of brown copper and iron holding their casting spears which be marvellous heavy weapons and girt with a sax as they stood there not out of earshot of a man speaking in his wonted voice our war duke made a sign to those about him and we spread very quietly to the right hand and the left of him once more and we drew as close as might be to the thicket's edge and those who had bows the nighest thereto thus then we abided a while again and again came the horn's voice for belike they had no mind to come their ways covertly because of their pride soon therewithal comes fox creeping back to us and i saw him whisper into the ear of the war duke but heard not the word he said i saw that he had hanging to him two roman sexes so i deemed he had slain those two and so escaped the romans maidens it were well that ye gave me to drink again for i am weary and my journey is done so again they brought him the horn and made much of him and he drank and then spake on now heard we the horn's voice again quite close and it was sharp and shrill and nothing like to the roar of our battle horns still was the wood and no wind abroad not even down the oak lawn and we heard now the tramp of many men as they threshed through the small wood and bracken of the thicket way and those eight men and their leader came forward moving like one close up to the thicket where i lay just where the path passed into the thicket beset by the sons of the goths so near they were that i could see the dints upon their armour and the strands of the wire on their sex handles down then bowed the tall bracken on the further side of the woodlawn the thicket crashed before the march of men and on they strode into the lawn a goodly band weary alert and silent of cries but when they came into the lawn they spread out somewhat to their left hands 
that is to say on the west side for that way was the clear glade but on the east the thicket came close up to them and edged them away therein lay the goths there they stayed a while and spread out but a little as men marching not as men fighting a while we let them be and we saw their captain no big man but died with very fair armour and weapons and there drew up to him certain goths armed the dastard of the folk and another unarmed an old man bound and bleeding with these goths had the captain some converse and presently he cried out two or three words of welsh in a loud voice and the nine men who were ahead shifted them somewhat away from us to lead down the glade westward the prey had come into the net but they had turned their faces toward the mouth of it then turned theodolf swiftly to the man behind him who carried the war-horn and every man handled his weapons but that man understood and set the little end to his mouth and loud roared the horn of the markman and neither friend nor foe misdoubted the tale thereof then leaped every man to his feet all bowstrings twanged and the cast spears flew no man forbore to shout each as he might leapt out of the thicket and fell on with sword and axe and spear for it was from the bowman but one shaft and no more then might you have seen theodolf as he bounded forward like a wild cat on the hare how he had no eyes for any save the roman captain foe men enough he had round about him after the two first bounds from the thicket for the romans were doing their best to spread that they might handle those heavy cast spears though they might scarce do it just come out of the thicket as they were and thrust together by that onslaught of the kindreds falling from two sides and even somewhat from behind to right and left flashed throng-plough while theodolf himself scarce seemed to guide it men fell before him at once and close at his heels poured the wolfing kindred into the gap and in a minute of time was he amidst of the throng and face to face with the gold-dyed captain what with the sweep of throng-plough and the wolfing onrush there was space about him for a great stroke he gave a sidelong stroke to his right and hooted down a tall burgundian and then up sprang the white blade but ere its edge fell he turned his wrist and drove the point through that captain's throat just above the end of his hauberk so that he fell dead amidst of his folk all the four kindreds were on them now and amidst them and needs must they give way but stoutly they fought for surely no other warriors might have withstood that onslaught of the markman for the twinkling of an eye but had the romans had but the space to have spread themselves out there so as to handle their shot weapons many a woman's son of us had fallen for no man shielded himself in his eagerness but let the swiftness of the onset of point and edge shield him which sooth to say is often a good shield as here was found so those that were unslain and unhurt fled west along the glade but not as desterts and had not theodolf followed hard in the chase according to his wont they might even yet have made a fresh stand and spread from oak tree to oak tree across the glade but as it befell they might not get a fair offing 
so as to disentangle themselves and array themselves in good order side by side and whereas the markmen were fleet of foot and in the woods they knew there were many aliens slain in the chase or taken alive unhurt or little hurt but the rest fled this way and that way into the thicket with whom were some of the burgundians so there they abide now as outcasts and men unholy to be slain as wild beasts one by one as we meet them such then was the battle in mirkwood give me the meat horn that i may drink to the living and the dead and the memory of the dead and the deeds of the living that are to be so they brought him the horn and he waved it over his head and drank again and spake sixty and three dead men of the romans we counted there up and down that oak glade and we cast earth over them and three dead dastards of the goths and we left them for the wolves to deal with and twenty-five men of the romans we took alive to be for hostages if need should be and these did we shielding men who are not very many bring a back to the weinberg and the daylings who are a great company were appointed to enter the wood and be with theodulf and me did otter bid to bear the tidings even as i have told you and i have not loitered by the way great then was the joy in the hall and they took gislian made much of him and led him to the bath and clad him in fine raiment taken from the coffer which was but seldom opened because the cloths it held were precious and they set a garland of green wheat ears on his head then they fell to and spread the feast in the hall and they ate and drank and were merry but as for speeding the tidings the hall son sent two women and two lads all a horseback to bear the words the women to remember the words which she taught them carefully the lads to be handy with the horses or in the ford or the swimming of the deeps or in the thicket so they went their ways down the water one pair went on the western side and the other crossed mirkwood water at the shallows for being midsummer the water was but small and went along the east side so that all the kindred might know of the tidings and rejoice great was the glee in the hall though the warriors of the house were away and many a song and lay they sang but amidst the first of the singing they besought them of the old woman and would have bidden her to tell them some tale of times past since she was so wise in the ancient lore but when they sought for her on all sides she was not to be found nor could any one remember seeing her depart from the hall but this had they no call to heed and the feast ended as it began in great glee albeit the hall son was troubled about the carline both that she had come and that she had gone and she determined that the next time she met her she would strive to have of her a true tale of what she was and of all that was toward End of chapter twelve